Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Today's episode is about matchmaking, finding love, and dating during COVID-19 with Carol Larix and Devin Simone, two lovely matchmakers of Three Day Rule. Kara is a national LGBTQ matchmaker, and her date coaching style is rooted in the deep desire for her LGBTQ community to experience love, happiness, and fulfillment in healthy, long-lasting relationships. Devin is a renowned dating expert and matchmaker who has been featured on Good Morning America, The Wendy Williams Show, The Rachel Ray Show, and more, and has served as the inspiration of the dating makeover show, Love at First Swipe, on TLC. Let's give a warm welcome to Kara and Devin. Want to get your birth control with free delivery? Well, now you can with Pandia Health. Pandia Health makes our lives easier by bringing you birth control wherever you have internet and a mailbox. If you have a prescription, you can move it to their pharmacy and get your birth control delivered. If you don't have one, you can have their expert birth control doctors write you one. Find out more at PandiaHealth.com. That's P-A-N-D-I-A Health.com and use code SEXEDFREE to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Follow them on Instagram, at Pandia Health. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. I bet you baked all the bread and binged all the TV shows during quarantine. But have you created an exact copy of your genitals? Yeah, I didn't think so. Meet Clona Willy. Clona Willy and Clona Pussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of a penis or vulva at home into a high quality sex toy or memento. Check them out at www.clonawilly.com and use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram at Clona Willy Kit. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Emojibator. Emojibator believes in humor and education to promote a society that celebrates pleasure. Their fun and affordable collection of vibrators is inspired by the sexiest of emojis. That means eggplants, chili peppers, bananas, and pickles. Oh my! They even have a line of adorable animal toys like a kitty cat, chicky, and whale that do a whole bunch of naughty things. Find all of their body safe toys for pleasure at emojibator.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 25% off your purchase. How many different ways do you think I can say the word lube in 30 seconds? Let's give it a shot. Lube. Lube. Lube Lube Lube. 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 L to the U to the B to the E. Lube. Well, that was lubes. I mean, loads of fun. This phenomenal and very necessary lube break was brought to you by UberLube. Use promo code SEXEDDB for 10% off your purchase with free shipping at www.uberlube.com. Karen, Devin, welcome to the podcast. How are you both doing on this fine Friday afternoon? 
Doing great. Happy to be here. Yes, fantastic. Thank you for having us. Of course. I'm so, so incredibly happy to have you. Um, Let's kick it off by you telling us your names, your pronouns, and what you both do. Uh, I am Devin Simone, and I go by her, she, and I um, am a matchmaker and dating coach uh, at Three Day Rule. And I am Kara Larix, and I'm also a her, she, and I am our LGBTQ matchmaker and dating coach. Perfect. I'm so, so stoked to have you both on. This is our first episode with matchmakers on, so we have a lot to learn, a lot to talk about. Um, Devin, you get started by sharing your background, and how did it lead to matchmaking? Of course. So... I, uh, like many of us, I grew up in a home of divorced parents. So my parents divorced when I was two, and then they remarried other people uh, shortly after that. And I was curious as to what made these new relationships work and why their relationship didn't work. Because I was so young, of course, like the time, I don't remember any arguing or disagreements or anything like that. I just knew mom and dad weren't together. So why? Like, why is that the case? And so I spent a lot of time um, sort of pondering that question. And I would gravitate towards relationship and self-help books, even as a kid. Uh, And then even in middle school, you know, I became the dating guru. I don't know how, because I couldn't go on a date. Like I couldn't, you know, let alone drive myself anywhere. But uh, in middle school, you know, you have crushes and my peers would come to me during recess and ask me questions about how to talk to their crush or, you know, what does this mean? because they had a crush on so-and-so. And so I would spend, you know, you'd get sort of like um, like uh, office hours with Devin in middle school and they would pay. Uh, we in had these candy class or dollars. what did you do? Okay, yeah, okay. so we had these class dollars. They're called PT points. And they're these little like construction paper pieces of dollars that you would get for getting like an A on your test or good behavior. And each semester you could use those PT points for rewards, like whether it be candy or extra recess or whatever. Wow. And so- they would actually pay me PT points. I don't remember what my going rate was then, uh, <laughs> but to sit with me uh, during recess and to tell me, and I would take notes diligently about whomever they had a crush on and give them advice on how to communicate with that person or maybe to just like give up because that person wasn't for them, you know, like do ret laps around the gym. Uh, but that carried over into, you know, uh, young adulthood. I was always fascinated by that. Psychology was the only course where I would turn in my homework early um, without being asked. Uh, Uh, And then my parents' friends would start asking me for, like, dating advice. Um, It then turned into a blog and then turned into a television show on TLC um, that I co-created and co-hosted with and co-executive produced with my dear friend Clinton Kelly. And that show was all about helping people with their online dating profiles. So I would make over their dating profiles. He would make over their clothing style. Um, And... From there, it turned into date coaching, which then led to matchmaking. So it's been sort of an evolutionary process, but one I feel like is so me at my core, just because I love understanding. I think relationships actually aren't that hard. Healthy relationships are a little bit more challenging and hard to come by. And so um, I try to make it my mission to share that uh, with other people and so that they can have great relationships. Incredible. And wow, really so, so funny and very cute and very telling of your personality of those points, the PT points, like really amazing small business from a, like a young tween. Um, and that is incredible how that led you to where you are today. That's so awesome. Um, Kara, how about you? 
Yeah. First, Devin, I love that story. I don't think I've heard, you know, it in that sequence. So that's amazing. (laughs) I, I too, I mean, I had kind of an unconventional path into matchmaking and I don't think I ever would have called that I would be here today, but like Devin, gosh, I love doing what I'm doing and it makes such sense now. But yeah, I started out as a fourth grade teacher. So I taught for 10 years. And ironically, the first year that I taught was the first year I came out as a lesbian. And so I remember teaching in the middle of Kansas and thinking, I am the only gay teacher that exists. So from the get-go, I started a GLSEN chapter, which at the time was Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, just to find other gay teachers. But little did I know that was the beginning of my matchmaking career because I actually matched a couple of the teachers that would come to my meetings and they're still together to this day and have a little girl. Yeah. So there was that. And then after 10 years of teaching, I decided, oh, I've always wanted to design clothing. So I went back to school for fashion, ended up you know, having my own line. I too ended up on a reality television show. I ended up designing collections for H&M, Macy's, Saks Fifth Avenue. But I have to say my favorite part about that whole experience was really connecting with other LGBTQ folks who were like, it's so good to see somebody who's out and following her passion. And I was like, you know, I love being this, this inspirational figure. I had no idea I was capable of this. And yet I really love inspiring people to follow their passion, be their authentic selves and so on and so on. So I kind of took that away from that experience. And then like so many people found myself at some point thinking, okay, I don't necessarily know that I want to be in fashion forever or in this career, whatever it is forever. What am I going to do? And ironically, I had this free date or not date, but job coaching session with a woman named Becky Berry. I'll never forget it. And it was over the phone. And I remember telling her I was a teacher and then a designer and I was on a reality show and I love LGBTQ people and I love connection and blah, blah, blah. And I remember it just being crickets when I finished, like, how am I going to create a resume for that? You know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, where's or what the you should through do. line there? Yeah, what is happening here? And so her advice, though, changed the course of my life. She said, okay, well, what I suggest you do is go into LinkedIn and enter those words that are most meaningful to you and just see what happens. And I was like, okay, I can do that. No problem. Hopped off, entered, love, LGBTQ, connection, And lo and behold, this position for LGBTQ matchmaker with three-day rule popped up. And I was like, shut up. You know, no way. This is is too good to be true. Three interviews later, here I am three years later, absolutely loving, working with my community, bringing some light and love and happiness, healthiness into our, you know, wonderful community. And just, yeah, it's led into date coaching. And I absolutely love what I do each and every day. It's amazing. Oh, so incredible. Wow. Very, very cool. Um, also, I love that both of you had your own TV shows. Like the fact that Devin, you like created it, starred in it, executive produced it. And the fact that like, Kara, you were on a reality show. Like that's also a very cool part, I feel like, of your backgrounds because you're clearly very comfortable in front of people, public speaking. Like I feel like that also, like that gravitas, like very much I feel like probably helps in your like ability to connect people with each other. Would you say that? Uh, You know what's interesting about that is I am weirdly shy when it comes to people one-on-one. And so my role as a matchmaker within our company has has sort of shifted to 
Um, like being a strategist, I do do coaching sessions for people. And I joke that I'm sort of like the grandma in the position. So the matchmaker, the main matchmaker is like the mom. I'm sort of grandma. Grandma's here. Grandma will chime in sometimes. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. She'll give you candy. Uh, But like the going up and just really approaching people thing. um, Yeah, you would think having done like TV shows, but no, I'd say it's probably the opposite. What I'm really good at doing and what I think I gathered or played a part in the shows that I've done though is analyzing big Mm. picture analyzing people being able to get a sense and like read people and then helping gently using that as a mirror to them right like okay if you're like this and this is really what you want you know how can we complement that Kara however is freaking amazing and just like this (laughs) energy of light like this ray of light that you are hearing right now literally is Kara like she is just this she's like a glow stick of light like I don't even know like she she really really genuinely is okay Devin it takes a glow stick to know a glow stick oh my god (laughs) the cutest (laughs) thank first of all thank you very much um I don't even know where to go from there. Now I'm flustered. But I will say that, you know, the reality show that I was on, it's all about fashion. And, you know, it's, it can seem kind of frivolous, but that part of my life comes in each and every day when I'm working with humans who really want to present their best selves, you know, are, and especially when I work with non-binary folks who are working on a style that feels comfy for them Mm -hmm. and feels right for them. I love having that sort of frame of reference to be kind of a one-stop shop for my clients. So the dating piece under control, you know, the fashion piece, the makeover piece, the, all of it, it's each bizarre chapter of my life is really leading to kind of the chapter that's going on today. And I guess that's what I take away from my, my time on reality television. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Um, let's get into three day rule. So tell us about your company three day rule. What are some benefits to matchmaking that don't really exist in the dating app world? And I'll just preface also by saying this question, just because I feel like I'm currently in a monogamous relationship. My partner and I just celebrated our four-year anniversary yesterday. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you so much. I knew matchmakers would appreciate that. Um, Yeah. But I, of course, have a ton of single friends. I'm 27. I have a lot of friends who are around my age, uh, maybe even in their early 30s, who are single and are really looking for connection, looking for long-term commitment. And a big way to do that right now is through dating apps, but they're not working for them for one reason or another. So really, really curious with that context. Tell me about three day rule. What are those benefits? So to make a to try and make this as condensed as possible story, but to give you um, to to answer your question, but to also put it in example form. So online dating, I think is great and it can be a great tool, but it's a powerful tool and it's doing a lot to you mentally and emotionally, whether you recognize it or not. And there are proper ways to use it and improper ways, um, to use it. And most people struggle to know the difference. And I think that's why it can be challenging. Um, 
the benefit of working with a matchmaker versus using a dating app. So I'll use my own relationship as an example. So I actually met my fiance, uh, on a dating app and, um, but we had the perks or the benefits that I think allowed us to flourish to where we are now, um, thanks to matchmaking. So I was on a dating app. I was actually just doing a little bit of a social experiment. He didn't know that, but I wanted to see what it was like, uh, the different dating demographics. So I was in New York, put my profile, listed it as in Philadelphia, just because I was curious to see how people would respond there because each city and dating in different cities is very different. So um, I did that. He saw my profile, saw where I worked because I had listed three-day rule. So his opening line to me was, you know, hey, are you matching for yourself or other people? Uh, you know, I just had lunch with one of your colleagues. I come with references. She said I was an A. And so <laughs> that, of course, caught my attention. So I'm like, wait a minute. And I was just coming from a matchmakers retreat too at the time. So it was really like perfect timing. I was with some of my colleagues at the time. And so I pull over my laptop and sure enough, he was in our database. And the reason why matchmaking really helped is because on the surface, he was not someone I likely would have put too much time into. And what I mean by that is he's an attractive guy. He's a wonderful, amazing guy. Um, however, he was preppier than I expected. Uh, and I went into it certainly being like, he's not going to know what to do with me. Also being a woman of color, there are concerns sometimes around people fetishizing dating a woman of color. So my question was kind of like, okay, is he doing this? Cause he just wants to try out a black girl or especially with his look, we're talking boat shoes guys. I mean like the Sperry, <laughs> we're just like, oh, needle I point pictured, belt. I pictured a, a call, a popped collar for a oh, hot yeah. second. Full blown, full blown, full blown. So, uh, so, you know, I was like, okay, is this just a guy that's a bro that's like looking to like try a black girl, like not really into that. Um, so what I did is I pulled over our, our, up our database and pulled up his profile because he had been vetted by my colleague. And what I was able to do in that moment is see all of his answers and what he was really looking for. And what was powerful about that is that these were answers that were given before he ever knew I existed. So the first thing I went to to see was to see who he was looking to date. Cause sometimes people will be very explicit and say, I only want to date this. I only want to date a blonde. I only want to date blah, blah, blah. And that's, kind of truthfully what I expected from him. Nope. He was fully open. I saw that we shared some of the same values. I trusted my colleague's perception of him as well because she's good at reading people. So what that did is it allowed me to give it a chance and be open on someone that I may have passed on otherwise. Mm. You know, we did a poll of our couples not that long ago and 47% said that the person that they fell in love with, their match was someone that they likely would have swiped left on, that they wow. would have said no. So... And not that I would have swiped left on him, but certainly I don't know that I would have given it the chance, you know, that even like when we met, for example, I'm someone that's very motivated. I don't care about your status. I don't care about money, but I do care about just people that are like motivated, ambitious, and like kind of well put together. When we met, he was driving a 1919 get out and push. He loved the car because it was like an 87 Jeep reminded him of his first car. I was like terrified of the car it would break down randomly. And like, and again, that would be cause for even a normal person, even who's someone who's not superficial to be like, does he really have his life to, you know, like, is this really, you know, he ran Airbnb. So he was like, living in different places from time to time because he'd rent out his house. Just again, things that if I'm left to analyze off a dating app and it's a lot of information going, I might at some point make the wrong choice or be like, oh, he's not together or, oh, he doesn't value this. However, having a matchmaker's perspective, no, this guy is on solid ground. He really is motivated. He really does like value X, Y, and Z. The best decision I ever did. 
he's great. We survived the car. We now have a much better one. Thank God. <laughs> uh, you know, and now he's not living around in 17 different Airbnbs. We've moved back into his primary residence. So we live there here and have made it a home. But without a matchmaker, I very easily and very likely would have passed on that opportunity or not taking it very seriously, not giving it room to grow. And I think with the dating apps, you're literally trying to like be in the moment, but also be out of the moment and analyze so much information mm. and, and analyze yourself. And it's really hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have to agree with everything that you said. And then also on a personal note, I would, my wife never would have shown up in my uh, profile or, you know, people I could potentially date. She was out of my age range, out of my location range. I would have missed her completely if it weren't for our mutual friends of 20 years who played matchmaker for the two of us. So I think there's just kind of those quantifiable things that sometimes will rule out who your really great match is. And then the other thing that I feel like I've gotten a really, really good sense of is when someone signs up with us at Three Day Rule and ends, enters into our database on the back end, behind the scenes, we kind of we get to see photos and then their basic stats. And I will say, even before I meet with humans, I take a look at their pictures. You know, I kind of I get this idea in my head. I see their stats. I kind of get this vision of their lives. And over and over and over again, I am surprised. I am shocked. Their vibe, their essence is nothing like what their photographs look like. Um, their job is not necessarily what a couple words can describe. There's just so much more behind profile pictures and stats or, you know, uh, the answers to a few questions on a dating app. So the real difference for me between online dating and then working with a matchmaker is we get the in-person vibe. We kind of understand, we get to hear what that person's version of the fairy tale is with another human. And those are things that you just can't get from a dating app. So, you know, it's funny, our founder, um, Talia, will always say, I truly believe people are swiping past their soulmates. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. I really do. I think they're just kind of not on their radar for one reason or another, or they're just not giving people who maybe at first glance aren't their type or don't fit the bill totally or fit their list a chance when in reality that in-person vibe or connection could be amazing. Totally. Kara, that is so well said. And, and I just want to add to that too. Um, the other thing is, you know, we as humans typically um, have a propensity to, when there's something that we want, of course, we kind of angle ourselves to get that thing. And so I feel like with matchmaking, we really strive to offer a level of authenticity that you can't get on the apps. Because if I'm looking at your profile, you know, say I'm looking at Kara's and she says, oh, I love dogs and I like whatever. Maybe I'm actually not a big pet person, but I think Kara's beautiful and I like want to talk to her. And maybe I had a dog once when I was like six and then we like gave it away after month. But I may be inclined to, in talking with her, talk that up or say, yeah, I want this too. And so sometimes you hear about people who get into relationships only to go down the line and realize they're incompatible because they're values are very different, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be one person sort of misrepresented themselves or maybe they just kind of didn't know themselves. And so with matchmaking, because we hold these interviews before ever making the introduction and because there's no right or wrong, like you're free, you can, we have heard it all. You can tell us anything. We That's will not right. judge you. And so if you don't think you want to have a family one day, cool. You can tell yeah. us. You don't have to pretend that you do because right. you want to impress this person. There's no pressure there. We yeah. will then honor that. So if we match you, 
we want to match you with people who are actually in the same space. Um, and that's true kind of across the board. And I think with online dating, again, it's hard because you want to share information on your profile, but then for the other person, oftentimes they want to kind of grab onto that information and try and make a connection, even if they don't feel as strongly or aren't um, as connected to that particular thing uh, that you had listed. Can I say one last Please, thing yes. on this topic? Okay. <laughs> you know, I think another benefit of working with a matchmaker is what happens beyond the initial swipe or connection. So, for example, so many people are so isolated with their apps, sitting in bed and, you know, just swipe, swipe, swipe. No one in the world ever has to know if they matched with someone or if they didn't or if the conversation fizzled or if it went on. And when you're working with a matchmaker, you have this built-in wing person who, you know, is like, wait a minute, let's break this down. You may have interpreted that way, but is it possible they could have meant it this way? Mm -hmm. And there's just a disconnect here. And it doesn't mean that this should stop. This means you should find out more. You should go on. And so when you've got someone right there by your side where you can kind of share your experience with, quite often you find, oh my gosh, I have been repeating this pattern over and over and over again. No wonder nothing's gone past a second date or a second conversation. Right. No wonder. Aha. So we serve that purpose as well, I think. Yeah, no, that that is hugely valuable to have someone to be like, hey, like, what do you think of this thing? <laughs> like that happened. Yeah. Because I feel like specifically, and maybe this is my bias as a sex educator, but like, of course, I feel like with cis men in particular, and I think there are absolutely studies to back this up. They don't have community like cis women have community to talk through mm -hmm. issues about relationships, about emotions, about feelings. And I feel like straight, straight cis men in particular, um, it's very common that they have these ideas and these thoughts and they haven't told anyone about them. It's just like mm -hmm. kind of keeping it inside. So I'm sure that it is very helpful for not only cis straight men, but for everyone to have an opportunity to share those thoughts, those kind of confusing things that can happen in the beginning of dating, trying to figure each other out um, with someone who is unbiased in this way that they know kind of an equal amount of information about both parties. Truly. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I would love to know actually, so that this was all amazing, but just even taking a step back, if someone wants to, to participate with three day rule, what does that even look like? Like, say I stumble upon your website, like, can you talk me through like what it looks like to interact with matchmakers and what kind of, I know I'm sure like there's not the same process for every person, but can you talk through like a typical kind of process of what it's like to work with a matchmaker for those of us, including myself who have never, have never inter interacted with a matchmaker before, like, like on a professional kind of matching dating level. Yeah, so we strive to make it as simple as possible. Basically, you come onto our site, uh, you fill out a few questions of yourself. You can even do it from your phone, so super easy. Uh, and so you'll answer some basic things, right? Like your age, education, background, um, you know, uh, a height, uh, upload a couple pictures of yourself, really just basics of your zip code so we know kind of where to place you, like in what region that you're in. And then you will be assigned um, one of us from the team to speak with. So uh, we will reach out to you. And if you're looking to just be in the general pool, you can totally do that for free, which is great. Um, so when you're in our pool, we have a really large pool nationwide. I think it's, I know it's over a hundred and something thousand, maybe even close to 150,000 at this point. Um, and you can be in the pool 
and we will reach out to you in the future if we think that you there's potential. Again, we have limited information to start with, but if we just see on paper that, you know what, hey, this person looks interesting, maybe they could be a fit for so-and-so, then we'll reach out and set up uh, an actual interview with you to get to know you better, get to know what you're looking for. Um, and if we do think it's a fit, then we'll make that introduction, which is great. Uh, if you're looking to actually work with us one-on-one -on -one, where we are proactively searching for you and you get that sort of coaching and that support and that wing woman system that Carol was talking about, then uh, when we chat with you initially, the very first time, so this is after you've signed up and just put your info into our system, which is all confidential, by the way, it cannot be searched publicly. Only myself, Kara, the rest of our colleagues can see it, but that's it. Um, then we will chat with you on that initial call just to get a better sense of who you are and what you're looking for. And from there, we'll determine whether or not three-day rules even that we're a great fit for you because we want to make sure we're committed to giving you the best experience. So if you have really tight parameters, that's like, you know, I am five one, but I only want to date people who are between six, three and six ten. <laughs> that's great. We support you. Oh, no judgment. But we probably aren't going to commit to that because, you know, yeah. like that's just a big that's a big discrepancy. And we want to make sure we want to give you as much opportunity as possible. Um, but if there if everything that you're saying that you're looking for is something and we've seen a lot. So most of the time we are confident that we can match you with what you're looking for. Then we will offer uh, an opportunity to do that, starting with a three month package. We also have a six month package. We also do uh, like add ons and customization in terms of coaching and all of that stuff too. Awesome. Yeah. I, well done, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong. You got it. That was great. I don't think I have anything to add. That was a beautiful... <laughs> Perfect. No, that yeah, was I feel like yeah, that's I'm like, okay, I don't want to get off into too many tangents about <laughs> how the process works. But phenomenal. Yes. No, that yes, was great. Phenomenal. And also just a comment on like the five one like woman six foot or taller man thing. My partner has a theory and I feel like it's been confirmed by a couple of my like friends who are very short with very tall partners. And he thinks that there is either like two people who are like around the same height. If it's like if we're talking about specifically like a straight couple and then there are like couples where the woman is like five foot and the man is like taller than six two. And I told my friend this theory that my partner has and she she goes, oh, yeah, tallie smallie. That's just like normal for us. Oh. I was like, wow, that's like a thing in the tall, small community <laughs> that you guys tally call tallie smallie. I was like, wow, fantastic. Tallie smallie. Um, oh, I just wanted to share I'm that use... little tidbit. Yes. Yes. Um, that is kind of cute. Okay, so moving right along, this question is for Kara specifically. So you mentioned okay. you're a national LGBTQ matchmaker. So, so cool. Um, and I'm curious how matchmaking is different for the queer community compared to folks not in the queer community. What's, what's like different and, and is there something that's special about LGBTQ matchmaking? Oh, there's so much that's special. <laughs> yes. I don't even know where to start with this question because there's so much. You know, originally when I first started doing this, I thought we are all humans. We all want connection. We all want love that, you know, that's the baseline. And that's true. But there are a lot of differences, you know, in all of the polls and surveys and you name it that I can find, the average um, percent of the population that's LGBTQ identified is really only between five and seven percent. 
And I can't wait till the 2020 census info comes out. That might make me a data nerd, but you know, whatever. Anyway, um, but that's a small portion of the community that we're dealing with. And that's L's and G's and B's and T's and Q's and, you know, all of us kind of lumped into one. So anyway, I think it's really important to acknowledge that when looking for a partner within the LGBTQ community, because it it makes a difference. You know, I, I think of... For example, if I'm a straight woman and I really am wanting to meet a straight doctor, I could go on LinkedIn and I could search doctor and get this ginormous pool of men. And I could be about 95% sure that if I were to reach out to any one of them, they would at least be the identity that I was looking for. But if you identify as LGBTQ, it's different. So um, that's one thing that I do like about apps is at least people identify themselves up front so you know who you're searching for. But it's a real uh, wonderful thing about LGBTQ matchmaking. And the great thing is everyone that I meet with doesn't have to fit themselves into an L box or a B box or a, you know whatever box. I really get the opportunity to meet with them for an hour and let them self-identify, talk about fluidity, talk about if they identify as trans and who, who they're interested in. Um, you know, you'd be surprised at even when I meet with bi people sometimes tell me, you know, I wasn't sure if, if you would want to work with me because I don't really fall into a certain mm. category and is that searchable? And I'm always like, by people. That means the world is my oyster in terms of matching, you know, that's a total joy. So um, it's just interesting, you know, the things that we come up against in the LGBTQ community. The thing that is the best about what I do is often when I meet with someone for an hour, at the very end, they will say, oh, I have never had the time and space to really talk about my wants and desires and hopes and dreams for the future authentically and openly and in a safe space. You know, most of my friends are straight. So, you know, I just kind of go along with their lives and the focus generally isn't on me. So, you know, I don't, I don't have this opportunity to really speak openly about what I'm looking for and what my past experiences have been. And so for me, that's the true gift in what I do. That's the true service I feel like I bring to my community is offering this space to talk about that love and connection that we want with all the nuances. You know, if you want to throw around words like butch and femme or for men, top bottom verse or in the bi community, you know, there are other things that people face that others don't. It's just um, it's a safe, open, non-judgmental space to really get out your true values and what you want, void of all of the things that you might be worried about other people thinking. And that, I think, is the real gift in what I do and the real joy of this one-on-one -on -one individual LGBTQ matchmaking world. Amazing. That is very special. And also, just to follow up, I'm wondering, like, it, and this is something I've heard from my queer friends, is that it is, like, such a small community, not only in numbers, mm -hmm. but, like, in how people just really all, like, know each other. Or, like, there's this, like, you know, thing of, yeah. like, well, my ex is your ex, and, like, everyone has, like, somehow dated. Yeah. Like, is that something you find in that community while matchmaking? On the daily. <laughs> so I have two things to say about that. First, within the LGBTQ matchmaker community, there are only a handful of us nationwide who really match LGBTQ. And within that small network that I work with regularly, you know, sometimes we'll get together and say, who do you have as a client? You know, well, they go with my client. You know, we kind of chit chat back and forth. I am the only identified 
LGBTQ, LGBTQ matchmaker. Oh, really? Yes. So even within that community, like I'm a minority, which I think is really interesting. But when it comes to, wait, now I have to go back to my other thought. Oh, yes. The one degree of separation. So what's fascinating, whenever I start working with someone, I will always say, my goal is to find you love. You know, my goal is to find you connection and find you the type of human that you really want to be with for the long term. But here's something I'd like to be very transparent about. Our community is small. And sometimes I may introduce you to someone who's very well aligned. You know, you have similar interests. You know, I, I think you'll find each other foxy. You know, we're at the same stage in life, you know, all these good things. And I will always encourage you to make the absolute most of that connection, whether it turns out to be a friendship or it turns out to be a romantic relationship. That person has their own small network that's within our network. And you never know who they may know who might be your love interest down the road. So exactly. we got we to keep it happy and healthy in our little LGBTQ community and really, really explore every connection because it is small. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So this next question is for Devin. <clears throat> you recently hosted a three-day rule masterclass called Love in the Time of Coronavirus, How to Date While Socially Distancing, very relevant. Um, Can you tell (laughs) us what were some tips and tricks that you gave folks in that class? Because as we all know, this has been going on for six plus months and it might be going on for six plus more months to a year more. And this is definitely going to be a new way of connecting with people. Um, and I think that there are definitely tools and ways for people to get through that. So I'm kind of curious about, about that class and what those tools are. Yeah, I'd say there's sort of three key points, um, that you want to keep in mind. Um, one of them is to realize, and by realize, I mean realize the significance of this moment, right? Like, this is the new normal for now. I know initially I spoke to a lot of people who wanted to kind of sit back and wait this out, um, and I don't advise that. If you're emotionally ready to date and you would be if corona wasn't happening, then you should be dating now. Mm. Uh, If anything, people are, it has brought us together in a way that um, we have this shared experience. You are more connected now with someone on the other side of the world than you ever have been because of what's happening. Because never in our lifetime have we experienced something that literally is uniform across the world. Everybody, every country is being affected by this. And while yes, it is this crazy and uncertain and devastating thing, it's also a thing that allows us to be open and have conversation. So I'm not saying start off the first you know, message with, hey, so how's COVID? But you could could start off the first message is with, hey, you know what? I started baking during COVID and learned I'm pretty damn good. What about you? Like, what's something that you've learned? What's been your quarantine hobby? What have you picked up? Even seeing what their perspective is will tell you a lot more about that person than you ever would have been able to gauge before. Because if there's someone leaning into the negative, which is easy to do right now, we've all, I'm sure, had moments over the last six, seven, eight months about that. But if they're leaning into that and living in that space and you know that you're naturally an optimist, listen to that, right? Like that's telling you right then and there. And that's something that you wouldn't have been able to discern necessarily had you just met in sort of normal times. Um, But if they're able to make the best 
out of a negative situation, sign me up. Like that's the kind of person yes, you should yes, be looking. Yes. Exactly. With. Exactly. If they have like care vibes and an essence of just positivity, <laughs> truly. And I don't say this to make you uncomfortable, Kara. I just adore you, and I'm a huge fan. Even oh, though we work together, you should know. Right, right uh, back at you. Oh, right you. back at you. You guys are so Thank cute. You. Matchmakers are cheesy, you guys. If you didn't know, we really love <laughs> we love. Know, know. We love each other. We want everybody so to have love. Um, so true. But but realizing the significance of that moment is really important. Um, the second thing to you know evaluate or look at is um, you want to do well a refresh of your dating profile. So. Uh, you know, if you've had profile pictures that you took six years ago and you're still using it, nah, it's, it's probably time. It is time. You better grab, you know, most smartphones come with a timer. You better make use of that timer. Go get a can of soda and prop up that phone to give you good angles or something. Uh, you can hire a matchmaker. We help with that stuff. Ask a friend, but refresh your profile, refresh and list that new activity that you've learned to do during this time. You know, uh, talk about something that like the last funny thing that you've seen, put some new pictures out there, but don't rely. Don't people sometimes let their dating profiles get stale. And we know this is matchmaker because we do, we look through the apps too. And if I saw your profile, it looked the same. If I saw it two years ago and it's the same pictures, and I know it's this, there goes Madigan. He's still at it. <laughs> still going fishing, a lot of fishing <laughs> pictures. Exactly, exactly. Still hadn't put a shirt on. Like, it's time to do a refresh. And you have time to do it because you're likely not commuting anywhere now. So uh, you should do that. Um, and then the other thing is to... Uh, be bold. It's okay to be bold. You, first of all, you have nothing to lose. Second of all, nothing could be worse than what's sort of happening this year. So you might as well. Um, and third of all, there are so many, because more people are online now, um, more people are at home now, more people are looking for connection now, shoot your shot. Mm -hmm. What do you have? You have nothing to lose, but shooting your shot. S send a message in a DM, right? Pro even if you don't know if they, they identify the same way you do, it's okay. You can play it off. You won't have to see that person face to face. So it's okay. As long as you're respectful, go ahead and shoot your shot. You can just say, Hey, you know, I get people shooting their shot all the time. I mean, I have pictures everywhere that I'm engaged. You can Google it. So, but Hey, it's all right. And I'm not mean back. You know, I just say, thank you. It was nice to meet you or like wish you the best or whatever else, but you might as well shoot your shot because you don't know who that, that, what that person could be to you. You also don't know, uh, like Kara said, if they, you, I have so many friends that I started off as like internet friends with like even Clinton Kelly, who is, he's supposed to be efficient at our wedding. He is a dear friend and a mentor. Now we've been friends now for seven years. We met on Twitter. He literally tweeted at something on a show that I had done. And I was like fangirling, like, Oh my God, me, I'm a fan of you. And it started as a tweet. And now like really just a dear, he's met my mom and like, like love him. My first child will probably have his name incorporated at some point. <laughs> so Truly, but it was like, and he wasn't shooting his shot per se. Like we never imagined, I don't think we'd be friends, but it's just to show you how random, like you can message anyone really. And as long as you're thoughtful and kind about it, you could simply be like, oh, I saw this photo you posted. It was really great. Or have you seen this meme? I saw that caption you posted. It reminded me of this meme here. Like, have you seen that? And you could strike up a conversation and you never know where that could go. So Corona, if it, anything it's done, 
a lot of craziness in a lot of ways, but it's also been an opportunity for people to really reevaluate and reconnect. We've seen a lot of people get in relationships faster because of Corona. We've seen people that were perpetually the playgirl or playboy actually kind of like settle down and commit now. Cause when the world's ending, you at least want someone to help you row the boat. So <laughs> I think people are reevaluating in that way. So make the most of it. Yes, 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 yes. And I love that whole shoot your shot thing. I feel so strongly about that. Um, about people who are just unsure about what to say or how to exactly craft the right response. It's like, just say something. And like, again, as long as you're kind, as long as you're yourself, like, and it's better to know whether or not that person would potentially be interested in you now than later. Like, don't, you know, don't wait around and, and kind of say like, well, no, they, they, you know, they're out of my league or, you know, who knows, just shoot your shot and go for it. No one is out of your league. Shoot your shot. Like it is so, so something else I told in the webinar, which if you go to three day rules, uh, Instagram page, which is just at three day rule three spelled out, I think you may be able to access that webinar because it stayed up. Like it's still available. Or even if you go to the paging, you'll see like the link listed on the picture that they did, like the sort of infographic, you can Google that. And I think you can get access to it. But, um, some random examples like a few years ago, I don't know how, I don't know why, like Shaq started following me on Twitter or something. I don't know why. I really don't know why. And I messaged him shooting my shot at the time, which is ridiculous, but I messaged him and I basically was like, how I DM'd him and I go, how are you going to follow me and not say hello? <laughs> I literally had no, like, didn't expect a response. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know whatever. Sure enough, not only did he respond, we then like text for a little while and then we hopped on a call. We've never met. We are not close friends or anything like that. But it's just to show you there's literally like, it's freaking, it was Shaq. Yes. yes. And, and it happened another time with someone who a friend of mine told me, uh, this was a few years ago, obviously back when I was single, she was like, Hey, there's this football player on our team. Cause she was big into football, like just as a fan. And she was like, Oh, there's this guy on the team who I think like you would totally like, and I didn't know who she was talking about. Cause I don't, I only follow like playoffs. Other than that, I'm not really into Same. it. So I looked at pictures and I was like, Oh yeah, he's kind of cute. So I added him on like Twitter or something and then he followed me back and then I messaged him and I forgot what I said. Something stupid. I think maybe even the same thing I said to Shaq because I figured that worked that time. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, Copy paste. Like, yes. Yeah, like, how are you going to add me back and not say hi? Mind you, I added him first, but still he was like, oh, I'm sorry. So we started talking and we ended up going on a couple dates. Nothing came of it, but like because I was living in New York at the time and he was back, uh, back home because uh, that was the team that he played for. But still, it was like... It's what happening. did I have to do? What's the word? And I'm sure there are other times I can't even remember where I message people, whether it be I was a fan of theirs or, and I'm not saying do this all to like celebrities or high profile people, but just in general, like message people, I'm sure where I just thought they were interesting or maybe like their page or whatever. And they didn't respond. And I can't even remember who they were or what it was. Cause you forget yeah. it. it's not even that big of a deal, but if they do respond, I mean, at the very least, you have great stories to tell. Exactly. And that's what I was just going to say. Yes, yes, you say nothing came of it. Yes, it did. The story today. You know what I mean? <laughs> For the rest I of your tell life. my grandkids those stories. That's They'll be right. like, Ooh. I'll be like, look, back in my day. <laughs> um, yeah, like great stories no matter what. And and that then it could turn into something. You never know. And I've actually heard of, of other high-profile people who've met their significant others through social media, yep. um, where DMs. yes, sliding. There's a reason there was a song called going down in the DMS. Google it. If you have kids, 
background, put on the edited version, but going down in the DMs, it's a real thing. So try it out. It's free. So you don't have to pay for a dating app. Totally free. Amazing. Amazing. I love that so much. Um, Okay. Let's, let's talk about the steps in order to match someone. So this is like getting down on the deets from matchmakers. What are some of the best indicators that two people will be a good match? You, you've both kind of talked about values, but like, let's go a little deeper than that. Like what specifically have been in your experience, the best like show that two people will be great together. I'm going to let Kara take the lead on this one. Okay, sure. Well, you know, my answer for this would have been very different when I first started matchmaking, but now having a good solid three years of professional anecdotal evidence, it's very different. You know, I think one of the most important things is matching people who have the same vision of the fairy tale. And I don't mean that in a cheesy way at all. Every time I meet with a single who tells me that their parents have been together for a long period of time, I will always ask, you know, what's the secret sauce? You know, why do they have this long-term healthy relationship? And I'll hear one of three things. First, they just, they really like each other. They respect each other. They're good friends. They really like each other. Second, I'll hear they shouldn't be together still. You know, it's for religious reasons or, you know, whatever it is. But the third and most common thing I hear is some version of they share the same vision of the fairy tale. And by that, I mean, they share the same vision of what they want a relationship to be. They, they have shared values around the relationship. They realize they're going to be tough times and easy times, but they have some kind of plan for getting through all of it together with their eyes on the prize of the relationship. So whenever I'm matching now, I really listen hard for how someone wants their life to look and really what are those key values. And then I really do match based on that. And then, of course, you know, all the other good stuff comes into play, shared interests. And, you know, you can't help but match people who, you know, have looks that they're into. You know, I do that, too. But really, underneath it all, it's about that really shared vision of what they want life to look like in a relationship together. Yeah, yeah, definitely that, like foundation of respect and like you said kind of like liking each other just enjoying being around each other and then of course there are these like huge future things that like can't be ignored right it's like if one Uh person wants kids and the other person knows that they do not want kids what do you Uh you can't match unless somebody like and I, I find it really interesting I'm curious actually to hear both of your opinions on this but like I have had some friends be like I'm like ambivalent on kids like I could go either way and I'm someone Mm -hmm. who is not quite ready yet but ever since I was little have known that I'm like meant to be a parent and meant to be a mom Mm -hmm. and I um, am kind of curious about people who you chat with is that kind of more common than I or other people would assume this idea that maybe they could go either way on kids or what's that about I oh oh, go ahead Kara go ahead Okay. Well, I was just going to say for me, it's, um, it's very hard because on apps, it's a yes or no question, but it's not a yes or no question. And that's, that's what I always ask. There are people who are on either end extreme. Absolutely not. I do not want children. 100%. I'm ready to have children tomorrow. So I really get that out of the way first, if you fall on one of those extremes, but if not, All I'm curious about is, are you open to the discussion of kids? And if you are, that discussion could look a million different ways with a million different people. So that's that's kind of how I gauge interest in in children moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I I do incur that a lot, uh, particularly when speaking to women and women on the East Coast, I find. I think because 
Um, on the East Coast, there certainly is a uh, sort of an energy that is um, expressed on their career, like an emphasis on really achieving your career. And I think, um, you know, in negotiating that, a lot of young women, especially like sort of this new generation and like our generation in terms of what that means, like they it's no longer enough. I've seen for people to say to just be um, an okay mom and okay at their career. It's like they want to be great at their career and they know that they're going to have to do certain things to get there and they want to be a great mom. And so they're trying to strategize and life doesn't always work like that, of course. But I've seen people go back and forth or sort of have the ambivalence because, you know, maybe they are in their early 30s now and they do they thought they wanted kids. But now they're here in this career, their career and they, you know, life is kind of okay and they're unsure. But like Kara, I, too, just try and suss out. Is it a hard no? Is it a hard yes? Or are you open to the discussion? And either one is totally okay. But if you're if if you're, you know, open to the discussion, I likely wouldn't recommend you go with someone who's a hard no, a hard, right. hard no. Um, right. And if you're obviously a hard yes, like I would pair you with someone who is, a, because I also recognize, um, you know, that even in a hard yes, life can throw you curveballs. So you can have this expectation that that's what you really want. And who knows where that comes into play, what life provides for you too, right? Or what opportunity. So, um, but yeah, I'd say it's fairly common um, particularly in the people that I speak to on the East coast to sort of maybe lean into yes, but be very much like, but maybe if that, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. honestly, I wake up some days at this point now being like, especially at the state of the world being like, Oh yeah, it's horrible. Like, yes. Cause I think we've had eight friends in the last year have babies. Like literally wow. it's insane. I know. Um, and so, and I just found out another friend's pregnant like oh, two weeks ago. So there's that. And then there's the other part of you that's like, but I, you know, I don't really know. So yeah. that's pretty, pretty common. That's fair. That is totally fair. Um, okay. So let's get into these, the idea of cultural matchmaking. So there are many communities around the world that still participate in matchmaking, as we saw at, in the controversial and very interesting show, Indian Matchmaking. Have you both seen that show also? Are I you see- kidding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank God. We talked about it on Team Call. I watched it, but truthfully, I couldn't make it to the end because I was getting so mad. I wanted to throw things at the TV screen, yes. so I like stopped. Oh God, and the watched. ending and was infuriating. So Meanwhile, my my wife lost me for like ten hours straight. I, <laughs> I powered through it. I I had to watch every moment. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Um, yeah. And and also, you know, I'm I'm a Jewish person. I know also in a lot of religious Jewish communities, I have like very religious cousins in Israel who have been matched by matchmakers in their communities. Um, So I'm kind of wondering how you all participate in some of the same rituals or principles. Like how do you credit folks who have been doing this work for such a long time? Does that come into the conversation at all? And how so? For me personally, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't like, I very much recognize that this is one of the sort of the oldest professions, if you will, um, in the book and, and love that. I also think it's a very, not only individual to the different cultures, but individual to the matchmaker like thing. I mean, even amongst our team and we have a variety of backgrounds, we just approach between our senses, what we feel we always are led by whatever the client or the person or the people we're trying to match want, but we always put our own personal spin. Cause it is like a very personal 
thing, right? Like we, we're armed with our sense of knowledge and understanding of people and what we learn. And I think even in good matchmaking, there are elements of not just those who've done it before us, but really of like psychology and relationship therapy and sociology that goes into it. And so uh, when we pass those things along, whether it be giving advice to clients, I know that we try and kind of credit where we've learned that or how we came to that understanding. Um, for me personally, I recognize that the Black, so as an African-American woman, that the Black community is one community where this wasn't particularly prevalent. And because of that, it's something that has been hard to get my community to wrap their head around or really recognize the value or really um, utilize that service in a way that could be supportive and meaningful to them. Whereas clients that we have that are from the Jewish community or Indian community, they sort of get it and understand, right? Like, even if they're like, I've never talked to a matchmaker before, there's some sense of, but I know of it, or I heard of it, or like you said, I have friends or cousins and blah, blah, blah. Where black people are like, the what? Like, what now? <laughs> People are doing that. Wait, I'm not doing that. Like who? And so, and so it's trying to open that up and kind of like bring them into as well, like what this experience um, looks like. But I think as a whole, you know, I know I do. And I think the team has so much love for all matchmakers who are, are, are doing this and have committed their work into doing it. And while we all have very like different and unique spins and styles um, to it. I don't know that it is, in my experience, actually separated that much culturally. Like even watching Indian Matchmaker, again, she has her own style, but I don't know that it's significantly different from other shows or interviews or things I've watched from like a Jewish matchmaker, mm -hmm. right? I think it's more about like the person and the personality. I will always go back to saying what I said earlier about really two people sharing a common vision. And so I think culturally that's happened in Jewish communities or Indian communities. And I think it's the same for all people, really. I mean, there, there are specifics and nuances in every, in every segment. But um, the other thing I wanted to say is I hung on every word of Indian matchmaking just because I saw glimpses of something that I experience almost every day. And I think it, if I had my choice, I would love for every client or match that I work with to really watch Indian matchmaking and then love on the spectrum. I don't know if oh, you two have oh, seen I love, that show. Love on the spectrum made me so okay. happy. I love me too. that show. Me too. It is on my list of will make me feel better no matter what is happening in mm -hmm. the world. I have mm -hmm. watched it twice through. I love it. And, you know, Indian matchmaking only to see when people have such specific lists about what they want they're so much more likely to go to bed at night with that list than an actual loving human being. Mm, and and I think that's mad. So well yeah, said, Kara. Yeah, well, but you know, I think people don't see that unless they look outside themselves and see examples of it. And sometimes they still don't see it even when, yeah. with someone else. So for that lesson alone, I would love for people to watch that and then love on the spectrum. Oh my gosh. So for those people who haven't seen it, it's all about adults on the autism spectrum looking for love. And it's so simple. You know, yeah. it's so simple. You find common interests, you figure out what each other's quirks are and how to work around them, and you lead a happy life together. And uh, my idol is Jody, who works with the couples on that show, how she meets each person where they are at. She treats everyone with integrity. She honors their wishes and then gives them the tools to help them get what they want. And that's what we do as matchmakers. So 
if we could talk about love on the spectrum all day long, I would. It's fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Yes, I I complete. It's so interesting because I recently had on actually um, a woman who is an autism sexuality expert, and she recognized the the positives in in love on the spectrum. But her and I had a very interesting conversation about it because she, as someone who is not only an expert and like in academia with with like autism spectrum uh, spectrum disorder, but is someone on the spectrum herself really talked about all the things that love on the spectrum was missing. And I found it so interesting and I, I can't wait for you all to hear that episode because I, she just like really opened the door for me in a lot of ways about kind of like the infantilizing that was going on, kind of the, the, a little bit of like forced interactions between two people who maybe needed a little bit more space. Um, you know, with Jody, she thought that Jody was fantastic, but at the same time, um, with, uh, someone who had a little bit higher needs, who was the boy named Kelvin, um, she thought that it was kind of strange and, and just like the way in which that Jody was approaching Kelvin put a lot of pressure on him to kind of have this script when she, uh, the Amy, the person who I had on the expert was like, if you're meeting with someone who has higher needs like that, you should just let them be themselves rather than have force them to kind of say this script over and over again. So I'm totally with you. I watched it and was like, wow, this is really enlightening. And as someone who's like not on the autism spectrum, I see this as very like engaging and really, uh, normalizes dating and sex and pleasure for people on the spectrum, but it is helpful to hear that perspective from someone who is not only an expert, but someone on the autism spectrum. I think that's so true with everything. Indian matchmaking, love on the spectrum. You know, we get what's edited and shown to us and a perspective and all of that, but actual, and I feel this way about the LGBTQ community too. You know, some shows that I watch and I'm like, well, that's not representative of all of us. That only shows a segment or right. that was handled in a kind of a creepy way. You know, I don't exactly. really think that's how it is in the real world. So I can't wait to listen because I'm sure that will just broaden my perspective on what I watched. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. Um, okay. So we have, we have two more questions. Um, the next one is, I would love for each of you to share one of your most fun matchmaking stories. Um, who did you match and what happened? Um, so there was this couple that I matched, um, that, so she was a client of ours, uh, you know, she was so much fun. Like we ended up going out to like get drinks. And I love that when we try to really be the wing women in support for our clients regardless, but sometimes you just really, really connect with certain clients and you know that you would sort of be friends outside of this scenario. Right. And so, um, she was, uh, one of our clients and she actually ended up trying to match me at some point. Cause I was single at the time, which is like so hilarious with a friend of hers. Uh, but I ended up matching her with this guy who was a friend of a friend of mine. And he was like, well put together everything that she had like described. And I just knew like, I could just feel it that their energies like that they would totally match. They're both like great parents. Uh, they both had similar values, you know, like to do similar things. So I matched them. They went on this date. Uh, and then when I talked to them, cause we always get feedback after the date. So we talked to them individually. So 
first I talked to her and I was like, okay, like, how did it go? And she, she was like, you know, it was great. Like she thought he was cute. And like they had a good time. He was a gentleman. She's like, but you know, I don't think he really liked me. Cause he like, didn't ask me out again. And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, yeah. So like, I'm not going to ask him out again. Like, I don't think he was really interested. And so she was sort of like talking herself out of the match, even though they had otherwise like a really good interaction and like had a good, you know, call and, or a good date and all that stuff. So I was curious cause it didn't really seem to add up. And I was just so sure that they were going to like have this like Click. spark. So then I get on the phone with him and I ask him how it goes, how it went. And he tells me, you know, it was great. Like she was beautiful and we laughed, we did this. And I think they even did like two things on the date, which we love. So, you know, if you're going to a second location, that's great. Cause you could have bailed after the first one. So mm-hmm. that means like there's something there. But he's like, but, you know, I tried to see what she was doing over the weekend and she said she was busy. And so it didn't, you know, I don't think she was really interested. So I'm not going to pursue it. Oh, no. And I was like, so now I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, now walk me through exactly what you said, because they're literally saying the same thing and then like both walking themselves out of it. So he's like, yeah, well, I asked her, you know, oh, cool. Like, you know, what do you have planned for this weekend? And she like told him things you had planned. He's like, and it seemed like she was busy. So I didn't I was going to ask her out, but like I didn't. And so then I get back on a call with her and I'm like, okay, now walk me through again. What exactly did he say? And she was like, well, you know, he never asked me out. And like, we talked about my weekend da, da. and I was like, but you realize him asking like what you had going on in the weekend is, was him trying to like, oh, crack open the door to like ask another you date. So, so needless to say, I had, conver- I had to do a sit down with each of them. We had a conversation uh, and then they did talk on the phone again. He did ask her out again. And then they did start dating and got into a relationship eventually. But it was just those little missed moments. Like where if you don't have someone to step in sometimes, right? Like we talk ourselves out of these things. And it's crazy because even retelling the story, it seems so obvious, yet they both we're clearly committed to this idea that like, mm-hmm. oh, she doesn't really like me. He doesn't really like me, like on to the next. Um, and yeah, they were like so great for each other. Like it's so great that I ran into them at a party once that I was going to, that another friend was like going to, and they had been invited as a couple and I didn't know. So um, yeah, it was just a funny story. Love it. Oh, you are inspiring me to handle something differently today by this story. I mean, right Right now, I'm in the middle of two guys that I matched, and it's the craziest miscommunication ever. One asked, when are you available? The other gave a window of a couple of hours that happened to be in the afternoon between four and six. The other sent the other a Google invite with uh, for 30 minutes within oh that time. And I was like, what are you doing? There's no days? Yeah, no. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But it is. They they will be a great match. They're two great guys. If I could just get them together, okay, so good. I'll I'm going to have to have a good sit down with both of them yes. today. Yes. Uh, okay. But favorite? Oh my gosh, I have so many great stories. I'll be honest. A lot of my really great stories come from my coaching clients. Um, I love it because my coaching clients are not only interested in perhaps matchmaking, but also getting online. So they have all these stories that they share with me from their online dates. And okay, I guess right now I have two simultaneous great stories going on. I have a coaching client who is 27 and a coaching client who is 63, both women dating women for the first time. Yes. And I am beside myself with their progress. I am beside myself with their like bravery and their, you know, ability to get on apps and then their subsequent stories. 
And I will have to say, I mean, I would never tell each one of them this, and I hope they don't listen to this, but my my 63-year-old is out doing my 27-year-old like crazy. She's already met really? someone. She's already had her first experience with someone. I mean, it's just incredible to be able to follow people on these journeys that, you know, that they're on and to be able to support them along the way. And then I guess my favorite couple story. So I couldn't believe this. This is a lesbian matchmaker's dream come true. I had a client, she was in LA, um, matched her several times in LA. She was very focused about, you know, staying in LA. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to me, she's searching around on match and ended up finding her match in Boston, all the way across the country, which is something she told me she wasn't open to. So I was like, you know, wanting to support this behavior. And at the same time, like, you have made my job exponentially more difficult <laughs> by not opening your parameters, but whatever. Anyway, found her match. You know, I coached her through the beginning stages of this relationship and, oh my gosh, we got to be so close. Like you're talking about Devin, I consider her a friend and, um, yeah, it was just incredible. Anyway, couple months into it, I get a picture texted to me, the two of them in front of, are you ready? A U-Haul in the lesbian world, that stereotype, you know, two lesbians <laughs> U-Hauling is like gold. It's matchmaker gold. I'm like, no way. I got the U-Haul picture. I'm so happy. Anyway, LA was moving to Boston and wow. they are engaged. They came to our wedding. And I mean, Aww. it's just been like the most incredible relationship that I've built all through matchmaking. It's oh, awesome. That's so, that's so awesome. I love that, Kara. That's yeah, amazing. I do. Okay, we have one more question. Um, this has been an absolute pleasure. I feel like I've learned so, so much. Thank you both so much for taking time out of your day to be on here. This is such a great episode. Um, and I'm wondering if you can give advice to folks who are listening who are looking for that long-term partner. What are some tips that you'd give them to find the right person? Um, a few things that I always start everyone with, and I did them myself, um, so one, just to reinforce what Kara said about that vision. So the secret sauce to a successful relationship, I believe is having shared vision, shared values and complementary capabilities. Now, if you break that down, that means there's some work that you have to do before you go fishing for a partner. You need to recognize what your vision is and it's okay if it changes, it doesn't need to be concrete, but in general, what do you get excited about every day? What are you working towards? What do you hope to achieve in the next year, in the next three years, in the next five years? Okay, great, jot that down, be clear about that. Not only so you can hold yourself accountable, but so then you can adequately assess if someone's moving in that direction because you naturally want someone who's going in that direction so you guys can support each other. You don't have to drag them to your side and them dragging you to theirs. Like if you're both working towards one day, you know, having a job that allows you to travel the world and work remotely, cool. That's what your goal is. Look for someone who believes in that. Maybe not someone who's, you know, tethered to a nine to five and believes that that's where they need to be because you guys are going to struggle on that. Um, another thing in terms of value. So write down your five must haves and write them in order. So I initially, when I did this, when I was single, I think it had 15 to 20 things on that list. And then I'd have to cross and rearrange and cause you know, you want a lot of things. But no one, when you go to the grocery store, no one buys one of everything. Even Oprah doesn't buy one of everything. And she could, but she doesn't. So you have to recognize and prioritize like what those things are. It kind of goes back to what Kara said about like sleeping with the list and why the show Indian Matchmaker got on my nerves because of Parna and her list was driving me nuts. Oh and my I God. do that a lot. And I just couldn't 
Take it. Um, so be aware of what those things are. So initially, you know, you can write down a million things if you want, but then prioritize them uh, to where there's only five and then put them in order. I still actually have my list that I did before I met my fiance. He does have the things on the list. My dog peed on it, which I think was a sign of him uh, <laughs> saying that he signed off on it or support it. I still have that piece of paper though, because I don't want to get rid of it. Um, but just be clear. And then once you know what the things are on your list, commit them to memory. Because sometimes we'll say we know, but we don't. We're looking for this elusive thing or chemistry. Chemistry will F you up. Stop relying just on chemistry. It will mess you up. It will distract you. That's like saying, I'm just looking for food that's good. There's a lot of things that are good that aren't good for you. Mm. So you want to have um, a balance there. But know what those things are so that like, in the instance of my fiance, Johnny, again, the preppy shoes, all of that, I was like, eh, not sure. But I knew what my must-haves were, like intellectual curiosity. I saw in his profile that he went and lived in Korea for two years and taught English. Well, that told me he obviously had to have intellectual curiosity there, right? Family values was really important to me. There was a picture of him holding one of his friend's babies. It was like the whole group. So he wasn't passing it off as his kid, but you could tell that like, you know, the kid was happy to be with him, you know, in his arms, it was a safe and comfortable space for her. And you could tell that he was happy to be surrounded by people that he loved. So that told me, okay, cool, family values. And so that allowed me to overlook the superficial things that may have distracted me from what the potential was for our relationship. And I think a lot of times people go fishing, but they don't really, really know. So if you think you know, you should be able to name them off five things off, absolutely what they are and explain to yourself or anyone asking why they're important to you, right? Like why is intellectual and curiosity important to you? Because you like to learn, you like to grow, you like to read the news and do crossword puzzles and tra uh, travel, like great, um, know that about yourself. I think those things are really important. And then the other thing is to stop expecting to know right off the bat. You know, there's a thing called, I think it's like survivor's bias, right? Where if you survive something, you literally can rewrite the story. You'll rewrite history over time. And I think we've experienced a lot of that with long-term relationships. You know, we look at some of our grandparents that are maybe still married and we're like, oh my gosh. I mean, I was reading an article just the other day about, I don't remember, it was some like rock person. I should know, but I don't remember. Uh, and his wife, they've been together for like 40 years and how great. And I was reading the comments because I love to read the comments. I don't like the trolls and I don't troll people. My mom does. But I like to read the comments to see what, because you can always kind of gain more information sometimes or more context around it. And what was interesting is this article was talking about, like they're giving advice. You know, we really like each other and we like to hang out and that's the key to our success and so reading that you'd be like great I want that like they've been together so long and she supported him and his career and they're amazing and then you get to the comments and then they're like yeah but didn't he have an affair blah 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 <laughs> or didn't he go and you know they broke up at this point and she left and it's not a judgment thing but it's just recognizing the bigger picture thing. And so I feel like a lot of times people, because they'll hear stories that like, oh, I've been married to so-and-so for 40 years. And when I met him or when I met her, I knew. Like I knew right then. And we've been together ever since. So people hold that standard when they're going mm. on a first date or a second date or even a third. And they're like, mm, nope, this isn't the person for me. And then they write themselves off. And the reality is... They didn't know on the first and second date. Right. When you pick your good friends, think of some of your closest friends. When you met them the first time, did you know this is going to be my best friend for life? No, you <laughs> didn't know that. You may have liked the person. You may have had fun, but you weren't like, yep, I'm going to add them to my top five favorites in my phone right now. They're going to be in my MySpace top eight. <laughs> like You didn't know that then. And so why are we expecting that then of the most important relationship decision we'll ever make in our lives 
to know off of one date. They could have had a bad day. You had a bad day. You want to get to know the person. So stop expecting that. Ask yourself, did I have fun with the person? And did I genuinely laugh at something uh, we talked about? Not at the person, but with the person. Did I genuinely laugh? If you did, it is likely worth a second date, right? If you felt uncomfortable for any reason or unsafe for any reason, then abort. You don't need to go out with him. Again, it's fine. But other than that, if you weren't in love with them on date one, good. Because you'd probably be a little, that'd be a little too much if you were. It'd be a train wreck. So, like, if you had fun, go out on another date and see where it can go from there. Well said. Once that again. That was really great. That was really great. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Okay. So, my tip for, well, I have two. The first one is believe that your human is making their way towards you. Believe that deep down in your heart and be prepared. Do your own self-work, just like Devin talked about, and then be prepared to show up when your human rounds the corner, no matter how that might happen. And the second one, I mirror what uh, Devin said in terms of beware the spark and believe in the slow burn. Those sparks that can go off like crazy at first tend to fizzle out quick, but the slow burn is super hot. If you give it the time and then you let the flames develop raw, that's the lasting kind of relationship that, um, that you're probably looking for. Ever wish you had an exact replica of your gorgeous parts? Well, now you can make one yourself, thanks to Clonawilly. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva at home into a high quality sex toy or memento. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on Instagram at clonawillykit. Want to win a year's worth of free lube? Yeah, I'll bet you do. All you have to do is enter the secret code word into the UberLube Google form on our Instagram link tree, and bam, you're entered to win that sweet, sweet year's worth of lube. I'll bet you want to know what that code word is right about now, don't you? Okay, fine, I'll tell you, but don't tell anyone. The secret code word is slippery. Enter that word into the Google form on our Instagram link tree and you'll be entered to win. Good luck. Want to tie your partner up in bed but don't know where to start? When you want to get a little frisky and brighten up your sex life, try Emojibator's new rainbow bondage rope, safe for restraint and suspension. Whether it be their classic emoji vibrators, silly pasties, or fab beauty products, Emojibator will deliver. Find all of their body safe toys for pleasure at emojibator.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 25% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram at Emojibator. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Pandia Health, the only doctor-led birth control delivery company. Here are some fun facts about Pandia Health. Most birth control is free with insurance or for $15 per pack without. Your birth control comes with free delivery and free goodies, and you can get an online doctor visit if you need it, which is perfect during COVID-19. Go to pandiahealth.com, that's P-A-N-D-I-A health.com, and use code SEXEDFREE to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalow, aka DB. 
Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.